Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And we are here with our second to last pre-Gen Con episode to talk about Small World. Yes, not the Disneyland You know, I, I fully 100% expected you to start singing the song after I announced that we were going <laughs> to do Small World. I actually thought about it earlier today. I was uh-huh. like, oh, we're going to record about Small World, and then I started singing it's Small World in my there, head. <laughs> yeah, and here, yep, we've disappointed everybody, so. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Well, and the, the box cover makes a play on the lyrics. It does? Yeah. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it says something about it's, it's a, a world, world of slaughter. slaughter after all. Yeah, yeah or whatever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Small World is designed by Philippe Kayaertz. <laughs> uh, it, is, it has art by Miguel Coimbra. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, I don't think he had anything to do with the uh, Coimbra game, but there it is. Uh, and Cyril Dojon. Uh, it is published by Days of Wonder. It plays between two and five players. Playing time is listed as 40 to 80 minutes. And it is rated for ages eight and above. <laughs> You kept getting increasingly excited about that. I'm Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small World's a game that I was really excited about uh, around the time it came out for a couple years afterwards. Uh, I played it at my very first Gen Con in 2010 with uh, my friend Dave. And, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think he bought it. I think he bought my copy for me as a gift later on. So uh, oh. it's very thoughtful. <laughs> very nice. Dave is a good guy. Dave is a very good guy, yeah. So, so Small World is a very colorful, very vibrant <laughs> um, area control game. <laughs> it's like a, a light to midweight area control game, not unlike something like Risk or some games we've talked about in the past that have area control elements are like Blood Rage. Um, yeah. Let's see, we just talked about uh, the other dudes on a map game, uh, Kemet, right? Oh, yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember if we've talked about any other... I can never remember. I, th- I think I did the exact same thing on Kemet. I was like, oh, I don't remember if there's any other area control games we've talked about. I'm, in a way, Scythe is, you know? Um, uh, any, kind of. Yeah, yeah in any, any game where there's a board that represents a map and you're kind of controlling different areas on that map, be they states or be they, you know, just like little districts or whatever. Uh, so actually, you know, like Cthulhu Wars was another one, the very first game we ever talked about on this podcast. Could you consider Twilight Imperium an area control game? Mm, less so i think but i guess you know maybe you can make that argument i mean there's i guess there's area control elements to it but anyway what you're trying to do in small world is you're trying to control as much of the map as possible because at the end of every one of your turns you're going to score a certain number of points and actually it's it's represented in coins money by each zone that you control at the end of your turn with any one of the races that you control. So in Small World, you're going to take turns, uh, you know, every round with the uh, the other your opponents and everything. And you're going to, in the very first round, take draft a race. And it's going to be some sort of fantasy race like elves, dwarves, ratmen, um, skeletons, vampires. Witches. Yeah, yeah. Sorcerers. Witches, wizards. Yeah. Wizards too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there might be witches in one of the, the expansions. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a bunch of expansions for this game as well. Amazons right there in the game. They're cool. Yep. Uh, murder hobbits. There's like little murder hobbits. They look really mean. <laughs> And humans. And each one of these races then also gets another tile to the left of their tile that is like a modifier. So instead of just having 
I think they're called halflings, right? You might have flying halflings, so they can just, like, zoom around the board wherever. Or you might have, you know, uh, hill Amazons or something like that. And so each one of these modifiers, these, like, sort of adjectives that go in front of the, the race tile, gives some sort of modifier or additional scoring bonus to that race, right? It also yeah. dictates a certain number of tiles that you add to the number of tiles listed on the racial card. So those two numbers put together tell you the total number of tiles of that race you get and they're basically like your little warriors that you put on the map so that's like the total number of units you're going to have from the beginning with that race to to spread out around the board and try to capture different areas Mm -hmm. and you uh basically start off the game by as kyle said drafting these sort of race uh attribute combinations um and then you also sort of similarly start drafting uh like areas on the board yeah, so uh, everybody's first turn, they get to basically, like, invade the continent from one uh, coastal region, right? So, like, you can yeah. put, you can put like, however many numbers of tiles in one region that borders the outside of the continent to take one area, right? And mm-hmm. the rule for taking an area is that you have to have at least two tiles to just take it, right? And if there's nothing else in that area, you can just take it with two tiles. However, if there's other things in the area and there's all kinds of things there can be like sort of like a native race that you you have to basically like destroy when you go in there uh there can be some one of your opponent's races has some tiles in there mountains um and then there's a different sort of fortifications that certain yeah, races can have terrains and yeah and so for every one of those things it takes an additional tile to take that space and and if you happen to be taking over a space that belongs to another player you're probably going to kill some of their units on the way in mm-hmm. uh they get one tile back when that happens and then any additional tiles that were wiped out basically go back to the tray and they never get them back um but what you're going to do is like once you've taken that first space you then are kind of locked into the board and you have to spread out on the rest of the continent from that particular space so you can't go into like you know on one space on one half of the continent and then go to another space on the other side of the continent unless you have some sort of like special racial ability or modifying ability that allows you to do that right yeah and that way it's a little bit like risk because you can't really do that in risk either and like when you start conquering areas you can basically, like, once you conquer an area, you can, like, push your dudes into it, and then you can start trying to conquer an area next to that one using the same dudes and push them further until you've either decided to stop or you've, like, completely extended your yeah uh, your line there. Because as you continue to spread out, you still only have that maximum number of units, and so you're spreading your forces extremely thin as you spread out right. further and further and further. And you're going to find that your ability to take new zones is reduced dramatically from turn to turn or from round to round. And so what you're going to do after a couple rounds is you're going to start saying, oh, should I keep pushing with this race or should I go into decline? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a a particular mechanic with small world. And I believe that that's kind of like, you know, this is kind of the hook with this game, right? Yeah. It's the thing that really uh, differentiates small world from other similar light to medium area control games is that eventually you decide that you can't push any further with this race or it's not, it's just you're getting diminishing returns and it's not worth it anymore and so what you do is you say i'm gonna put my race into decline you spend one of your turns putting your race into decline and you flip over their racial tile you flip over the uh the uh the adjective tile and unless it happens to be something that continues to take effect while they're in decline 
which generally it doesn't. There's a couple that do. Right, there's, I think, yeah. Spirit, and there might be something else. I don't there know. There might be something um, else. But generally, that just goes back to the box. But then you've got your 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 racial tile is flipped over. It's grayed out on that side. Then you flip over all the individual tiles on the board to a gray side to show that they are in decline. And basically what that means is they're just sort of like sitting on those spots now, and that's all they do. You're going to remove all but one tile on the board, so they're a pretty weak force on the board, so it's really easy for your opponents to take those spaces now, but while they're there, they're going to continue to score points for you at the end of every one of your turns. Mm -hmm. So, this becomes like sort of a like a, a game that has a certain rhythm to it where you're trying to spread out as efficiently as you can with a fresh race and then when that becomes hard you flip them over and then you take a new race and let those guys just sit there and decline and hopefully you know rake in some points uh, until your opponents have completely wiped them out or until you put the next race into decline because you can only have one in decline race at a time per the normal rules obviously right. there's like going to be like there's at least like one modifier or race that like you know uh can break that rule but again like you know that's that's what this game is lots of different modifiers and and um you know rules that allow you to sort of like break the normal game rules and and, and you keep going until you've gone a certain number of rounds uh i think the number of rounds is based on the number of players in the game and then whoever has the most money at the end is the winner yep there's a a certain kind of ebb and flow to this game i have found like you you can have a really great round where you can sort of like spread far and wide and you know, get mm -hmm. a whole bunch of points and then you kind of have to expect that once you do that you've to a certain extent extended yourself beyond what you can reasonably maintain yeah um, and so you're going to you're going to have to like give some ground in the next in the next turn to an opponent but hopefully not so much that it pushes you back beyond where you started or or anything like that so that you don't lose everything because your opponent's going to face the, uh, a similar issue that you did in trying to extend is that they're eventually going to try to extend too far and won't be able to push any further either. It really so feels like like a big tug of war the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it really does. There's this sort of like there's this uh, rhythmic give and take to uh, conquering and maintaining territories. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because like. Every time I play this game, it's like, okay, well, this kind of feels like as I'm playing it, sometimes it feels like some sort of like zero sum game where, hey, I'm scoring these territories and then you push up and push me back and then you score those territories plus your territories. And we're just kind of like <laughs> pushing back and forth occasionally. But then mm -hmm. in the end, uh, there's always like some, you know, big difference in points. So obviously there's like, you know, just like little things you can do around the fringes, like, you know, sneaking some races that manage to be in decline in the outskirts that everybody's just kind of ignoring for a while or managing to like grab uh, a race that scores enough extra points for a couple rounds that that gets you like enough of a lead that mm -hmm. that it doesn't become a zero-sum game anymore and i found that in the end that's always how it kind of turns out but yeah. in the middle it often feels like just this sort of zero-sum tug of war at times not always but it can yeah it can um and it can be frustrating that way too sometimes um i i think part of the part of the appeal but also probably a drawback for a lot of people is I feel like the, uh, I keep wanting to say like race class combinations, even though that's not technically accurate, but you know, the, the race and the attribute combinations, um, part of being successful at the game, I think is being able to discern like what a, what's a good combination of the ones that are available and being able to choose those. I certainly find that some of the, some of the attributes I've never found to be particularly useful yeah. Um there may be a situation in which, you know, if they're paired with a certain race then then it might be useful or it might have a, you know, a, a strength that it doesn't otherwise have. But, you know, being able to tell what's a useful good combination I think is a a pretty good um starting point. 
I've always felt like there's always in every game I've ever played some really overpowered combos. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And if you're the one that can identify that and grab it, you're going to have a massive advantage in the game. And, yep. and even even not combos necessarily, definitely, but like also just in addition to that, I feel like there's just some races that are particularly powerful. In the times that I've played it, like the Amazons, for instance, like they get yeah. an additional like four tiles just for attacking when you're basically like claiming lands at the beginning of every turn. Yeah. And so they can just they just have this longevity to them for like going deep into the game and continuing to stay active and take a bunch of areas. And then, you know, you can you can use all but those four to defend an area. I feel like them if they get anywhere like even a halfway decent modifier tile they're just super powerful <laughs> um and so i always go after them and i feel like every time i grab the amazons i'm gonna have a good game you know um you know anything that like like the spirit one that allows you to keep like a second race in decline that can be really yep. killer if people yeah. are acting really aggressively towards you and taking over all the areas where you have declined races mm-hmm. uh so like you know if, if you're playing with like a, a fairly non-aggressive opponent or opponents then playing with something like that super op right um yeah. so there's definitely there's definitely some like some races i think and some definitely some race ba- race uh adjective combos that are a little bit imbalanced in this game yeah. but yeah, i don't know if you're the one that gets it it's pretty fun <laughs> speaking of confrontation if you're confrontation averse this is probably not the the game for you because it it revolves around murdering your opponents (laughs) i mean that's just kind of like the meat and potatoes of the game i think yeah but it's also a fairly light game yeah it really is i mean it's not uh you know it's not a huge war game or anything and there's no it it doesn't take you're not like sitting there like you know plotting out some grand strategy and using like really high level tactics it's like okay i've got four guys this turn i can move in any one of these three directions and it looks like i can take this thing for sure because i've got just like it's only going to take me three units and then i can roll the die and put this fourth guy into this other place where you've only got one guy oh i rolled a two great (laughs) i take it because when you when you don't have enough uh units to just take take a space at the end of your turn you can put whatever remaining uh tiles you have into a space and then you get to roll a die and if you roll a number of pips at or above the number you would have needed then you get to take that area right and if not you just have to reinforce another area with that particular that leftover tile or tiles so yeah another thing i guess to throw in there yeah um but i I just Um, feel like it, it doesn't like there's certain games that are like you know very aggressive and like you feel like you've lost a lot when you lose units so like in Kemet like if you lose like a whole force or something like that yeah um, that's a bad or a temple or whatever like you feel like you've fallen way behind right and and I feel like there's all kinds of games that are very aggressive and you can just feel devastated after like one opponent comes and 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 has a good turn against you in a fight and in this game it just feels like part of the mechanic and and part of that ebb and flow is like okay i'm losing guys that's fine though because i'm just going to replace them in a minute when i take another a new race in in a round or two right right and so i've never felt like there's as many like sort of like hard feelings in a game of small world despite the fact that it it is an aggressive game yeah there are in in other games that are aggressive i I feel like the tone helps that as well i mean the the tone of the game is very light it's very cartoony um and it's you know in something like kemet you're like oh yeah my my warriors are coming at you and my my leader's riding a scorpion and all this yeah, stuff. I, like in this game it's like my flying dwarves are coming at your like merchant goblins or whatever plus like in, in, in the games like you know twilight imperium or kemet or whatever like you already have like so much like lingering resentment towards certain players because of things they've done in the past already like when they took you know like you took mechatol rex from me in in uh twilight imperium or you took the scorpion i really wanted in kemet right and 
And so right. you've got these sort of like grudges in certain games. And I don't feel like that really exists in this game because no, no particular area is very special, right? They're all just areas that that are like worth a point and then maybe worth an extra point or something if you happen to have a certain race or adjective. Certain, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so nothing's really sacred in this game. Right, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's goofy. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's goofy. It's easy enough to play. Uh, you know, it's not terribly involved. So, and so I think all of that stuff just sort of contributes to the general lightness of the game, and if you you know makes it easier to not take so seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a game that you want to take seriously. It's definitely a game that you want to sit down and, like we said, it's a whimsical game. It's got a sense of humor to it. You know, if you see yeah. like you know flying mermaids or something like that on the table, it's something <laughs> that you can take and and fly your mermaids around a continent or berserking halflings or something like that. You know, like there's a humor to that. There's a humor to the way that these things are sort of like madly libs together and create you know amusing <laughs> combo names of races and abilities so that's amusing like the board is just like super vibrant and colorful and it just looks super happy even yeah. though you are you know like thematically like slitting each other's throats and taking the <laughs> land that there's not enough of in this game yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um, um so there's oh, multiple, sorry. Well, I was going to say another thing is there's multiple boards that come with this game. So like the the actual boards are balanced in a way that you always have a tight game, whether it's two, three, four or five players. Um, so I just think that's something to add, because I think that that means that the game is almost always pretty well balanced at any one of those player counts. Yeah. Aside from the issue of having pretty useless, like race attribute combos. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I, I really do think that you can, if you choose a bad one, you can get kind of hamstrung. Yeah. Okay, so this game's been out for a while now, Jason. This is a 10-year-old yeah. game at this point. Yeah. So how do you feel like it holds up today in 2019? Um, I am actually surprised because I think it holds up pretty well. <laughs> um, I, I I played this game a, a lot, like, quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um, And I haven't played it in a while, and I played it recently um, for, for this podcast episode. And... Mm -hmm. Um, I was surprised at how much I still enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of those games where like, I can really, I can be losing the entire game and really not care. Yeah. Well, you don't um, even know you're losing because like, it's so hard to keep up with the, the count of the coins and everything as you go. And they oh, even yeah. mentioned in the book to keep the coins upside down so people can't keep count. So people can't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but sometimes, I mean, you can, you can kind of tell like, you know, you're having a bad your game relative or something. Strength. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's one of those games where like, you know, I, I might be behind or perceptively behind the entire game and just not care because it's kind of fun. It's just a fun game. Sure. Yeah. You're um, not taking it too seriously. No, not at all. And it's easy to do that. Yeah. I mean, and it plays relatively quickly, so it's not like you're sitting there for hours on end. Yeah. Um, the only thing that, that bugs me about the game is that it's kind of a pain to set up. Like there's a lot of little bits <laughs> um between like the, the tiles and the the race cards and the attribute cards and all See, the modifiers i never feel like and... it's that difficult to set up but i feel like it can be difficult to like pinch the right amount of tiles out of the little tray when you're like getting yeah. a new race and you've got to like you know get just nine out of that thing you know uh because it's so tight and cramped uh that's the only thing i feel like i have trouble with because otherwise you're just taking two stacks of tiles shuffling them setting them you know like next to each other and then you you know you set out five extra rows of you know uh races and adjectives and then on top of that uh, what you hand out five coins lay the board out put some mountains on the board that's it no, but managing the little the the army tiles. Yeah, but I mean, like you do that as you go. 
Yeah, but then you have to like put them all away, and it's just you just you do that as you go. That that is like it's the one thing that is like a little bit annoying. Like like I said, you know, is like using those tiny little trays. Um, I think that's why they have those those game trays, those like you know proprietary game trays for yeah. They sell those like they're like a buck fifty a piece or whatever, like one for every race. So you can spend an extra thirty or forty bucks on your small world game if you really want to, (laughs) and then every single race will be like collected in in a nice little you know its own little box. But Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not spending that much extra money on this game so no no it's <laughs> i mean it's not that much of it like it's i find it a little annoying but it's not a huge annoyance like yeah it's yeah fine. it's not a deal yeah. breaker yeah no yeah yeah um and actually it's one of the things that made me try the game on a digital format <laughs> yeah, yeah um which actually is pretty good I'd yeah say. it's it's a, i've played the ios version on my my ipad years ago and yeah. it was pretty good pretty good adaptation of this game mm-hmm. yeah yeah so what do you think do you still have fun with it I still enjoy it. Uh, I, you know, wouldn't probably put it in, you know, like my top 10, 20 games of all time or anything like that. But it's a fine time if you're looking for something short and casual, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, something that's easy to set up and, you know, like relatively easy to set up. You know, not Gloomhaven, right? Right. Um, Relatively easy to tear down. You've got an hour to kill or a little less maybe. Um, And you don't want something that's particularly heavy, particularly brain burning or anything like that. Uh, This is a good time, right? Um, I think that this would be a very good gateway game or, you know, like sort of like early uh, early area control game for somebody that's getting into the hobby. You're trying to get some other people into the hobby. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this would be a great choice. I think it's like, you know, very approachable, which is great. But, you know, like if you're already like deep into the hobby and, you know, your favorite games are more on the medium to heavy side, you know, like you're super into war games like Kemet or, you know, like if you're into GMT games, there's no reason to go back and play something like this, you know. Right, um, yeah. So, like, I, I think that it's definitely a little bit more on the casual side, and if that's a sort of weight that you enjoy, then this is still a good game. Like, it's still, like, functionally fine and still very fun. Um, you know, like, like the art has held up very well, so I, I feel like it's still a pretty good recommendation if you're looking for an area control game that is, you know, on the on the lighter side. Yeah. Um, additionally, it's not terribly expensive these days. How much does it go for? Do you know? Um, well, I think I've, I've seen it on eBay recently for around twenty bucks. eBay, um, like used. Yeah. Hmm. And then if I'm looking at Amazon, uh, <laughs> Amazon's still about forty four dollars. But yeah, that, that's probably about right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like I think that if you got this for like thirty five to forty five dollars, that's not too unfair. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty, I'd say that's yeah. Okay. yeah. There, there's you know you get like two two boards, two double sided boards. You're getting like a bunch of like well produced uh, cardboard tiles, great art. Um, you know, the only reason to expect it to be a little cheaper is because it's been out forever, but yeah, yeah. um, I've played the, uh, the expansion. Well, it's like a standalone expansion underworld, which adds a couple new mechanics. Like they've got like these artifacts and stuff that can like add like little special abilities to whoever grabs them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fun. Like I like that version too. I think that like, you know, if you want maybe something that's a little bit deeper and a little bit more complex, if you're looking for something that's more medium weight, then maybe just jump straight to underworld rather than base small world. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I haven't played any of the other expansions really. Uh, yeah, they have a bunch one. of like. There's one that's like uh, water based, and yeah, we've got one that allows you to sort of like uh, like build your own worlds, basically. Like you can connect stuff together. I don't really know. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. But uh, we've never really played with that, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> I should try it out someday, shouldn't I? Yeah, considering that you already have it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so small world. We we still enjoy it. Uh, and if you're looking for something on the light to medium side, and and you know something airy control, something whimsical, something like with a little bit of sense of humor, then go play it. If uh, yeah. that sounds lame to you, then maybe don't. <laughs> so do or don't we don't yeah, care Just exactly do. yeah we're not getting paid for this so, <laughs> yeah, do what so you whatever want. yeah <laughs> okay uh next week we're gonna be talking about zombicide black plague not your mother's of... zombicide huh it's not your mother's zombicide it's not no <laughs> is your mother's zombicide zombicide modern era or whatever <laughs> I think Zombicide Modern is just Zombicide. Yeah, I know, but sometimes people say modern to try to differentiate it. Oh, really? I've seen that, yeah. Ugh, I don't like uh, that. But anyway, yeah, I guess that's what your mom plays, so. Right, yeah, no, she plays the, yeah. But we're playing the nasty med- medieval fantasy version where you can be, I don't know, like any number of, I don't know, like Ash from the Army of Darkness <laughs> or whatever. You're a sword man, you're a sorcerer man, you're you're big old sword and shield man, whatever. Or a woman, yeah. Uh, a cleric <laughs> of sorts. A little dwarf. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to see if, uh, we'll be talking about whether or not Zombicide is good, whether it's as good today as it was when it came out, um, and whether or not other games that are similar have replaced it. I think that will be part of the discussion. <laughs> and so it shall. Yes, we have begun making pretty, uh, pretty substantial Gen Con plans. So, but we still haven't heard. Oh wait, we had an email, didn't we? Well, we did. We did have an email. Oh my gosh. Yes, we had an email from uh, Dave, and it reads: I have read that there's a new tabletop Dune game coming. How would you set it up? Open sandbox, your pal Dave. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Dave. Uh, yeah, so there is a, a a revision of the classic Dune game. Uh, the I old believe that Avalon Hill one. Yeah, the one from the seventies, I think. Seventies um, or eighties, right? Yeah. So it's been out of print for quite a while, but it still has like tons of fans. Like it's very well revered. Uh, Twilight Imperium Rex, I think, was was the game that sort of like revised it into. They took the Dune uh, mechanics and they turned it into a Twilight Imperium themed game. Uh, Fantasy Flight did that a while back, and I don't think they were making that game anymore. But I believe uh, Gale Force Nine has the license for Dune now, and they're remaking that game. They're making it, like, you know, sort of, like, modern components and everything, and I believe it it might even be launching at Gen Con? I'm not sure. I shouldn't say that. It, I think that it's definitely going to be there for demo at Gen Con, if nothing else. Uh, but, yeah, that's coming out. Uh, and I, it's I'm, actually, like, a Dune theme. It's not just uh, something that's been it, reskinned from it Dune. It is Dune. It is the Dune game. I believe that they've changed some things, like who, like, the faction leaders are, things like that, because I think, like, there was some controversy I saw on, like, one message board recently that, like, Paul Atreides is the leader of the, the Atreides family instead of Leto. Uh, I think maybe it was Leto in the original or something. I don't know. I've never played it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dave, I think that if you're going to play this game, you should definitely play it in a sandbox. And you should definitely go get the biggest worms you can find and hide them in the sandbox. <laughs> and if somebody catches the worm, then they become a uh, mod dip or whatever. And yeah, everybody has to basically uh, either rebel against them or, or, or follow them. I don't know. I don't know how to play Dune. <laughs> I don't either. There's probably spice involved. <laughs> but, you know, that sounds cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how that game plays. Um, you know, if I get a chance to play that, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, 
There we go. Thanks for writing in. Uh, and if anybody else would like to write in and give us any sort of uh, feedback or any sort of suggestions, any sort of requests about Gen Con, we would love to hear it. Um, we've started to maybe brainstorm some ideas about maybe trying to do a show every night and just kind of like highlighting the things that we've seen at Gen Con that really uh, we found very impressive, very offensive, whatever. Uh, <laughs> how would they do so, Jason? All right. Well, for all Gen Con suggestions, you may email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. That's right. All right. So we will be back next week for our very final pre-Gen Con show because episode 70 is going to be Gen Con related, even though it'll be just before Gen Con. Uh, so listen back next week for Zombicide Black Plague. <laughs> yeah, it's like a spooky ghost instead of a zombie. Sure. <laughs> That's even scarier than zombies, ghosts, man. It's the only thing in the world I'm scared of, ghosts. You're scared of ghosts? Terrified. All right, thanks for listening, right. everybody. We'll see you in one week. Later. Bye. Bye.